Man in custody after five people, including three children, found dead in southern Manitoba. Opioid, 25 times more powerful than fentanyl detected in Quebec City region. The federal government authorized more military exports to Israel since October than ever before. Cousins are in decline in Canada, which is bad news for those parts of Canada that rely on cousins for population growth. And Israel pounds Rafah, where more than a million people are trapped. Good morning. It's Monday, February 12th. I'm Nora, and here are your headlines. We begin this morning in southern Manitoba, where five people, three of them are children, were found dead Sunday morning in three incidents the RCMP say are linked. The unbylined CBC story explains that a 29-year-old man has been taken into custody. At a news conference at Winnipeg RCMP headquarters yesterday, they said that no charges have yet been laid. RCMP say the deaths happened at three different locations, Highway 3 between Carmen and Winkler, Highway 248 north of Provincial Road 424, and at a home in Carmen, which is about 75 kilometers southwest of Winnipeg. Police said Carmen RCMP found the body of a woman after responding to a report of a hit and run on Highway 3 at 7.30 a.m. The woman's body was found in a ditch just off of the highway. At 10 a.m., Headingley RCMP responded to a vehicle on fire on Highway 248. Three children were pulled out of the burning vehicle by a witness before RCMP arrived. All three were declared dead at the scene. Officers arrested a man at that location. The investigation then led officers to a residence in Carmen, where the body of another woman was located. RCMP Major Crime Services, Forensic Identification Services, Collision Reconstruction Unit, and officers from Stonewall, Headingley, and Carmen detachments are investigating the deaths. Police didn't provide the name of the suspect or any further details, but the RCMP said that they believe the victims are all known to each other and that they were all from Carmen. Turning now to Quebec City, where a synthetic opioid 25 times more powerful than fentanyl has made its way into the region. An unbylined Canadian press story explains that public health officials reported Saturday they have detected the dangerous compound in pale green tablets that mimic the appearance of other prescription opioids. The Quebec City Regional Public Health Authority warned the compound protonitazepine presents a high risk of overdose, which may require several doses of the life-saving medication naloxone. According to the story, Health Canada first detected the substance in 2023 and would go on to positively identify a total of 25 drug samples where the compound was found by the end of the year. Public health officials working in Quebec City say that it has been increasingly found in the Montreal area since the beginning of 2024. Currently, no overdoses in Quebec City have been linked to the tablets, but officials say it presents a very real threat. They also warn that the drug does not show up on test strips designed to detect fentanyl. The Quebec City Regional Public Health Authority is reiterating advice for people who use drugs to avoid consuming substances alone and to keep naloxone nearby. The medication is available for free at pharmacies. Now to a piece of important reporting from the Maple's Alex Kosh, which shows that since Israel launched its genocidal campaign in Gaza, the Trudeau government has greenlit more military exports to the IDF than ever before. 
According to Global Affairs Canada, Ottawa has authorized at least $28.5 million of new permits during the first two months of Israel's assault on Gaza. The story cites Kelsey Gallagher, a researcher with the arms monitoring group Project Plowshares, saying, quote, It's not only troubling that Canadian officials have continued to authorize arms transfers since the onset of Israel's operation, but also that the value of those transfers is in the tens of millions. These combined values exceed the total of Canadian arms exports to Israel for any year on record, unquote. Kosh explains that according to Global Affairs Canada, the newly issued permits authorize the sale of, among other items, quote, bombs, torpedoes, rockets, missiles, other explosive devices and charges, and related equipment, accessories, and specialty design components, unquote. Kosh writes that Global Affairs Canada has repeatedly insisted that all of Canada's military exports to Israel since October 7th have been, quote, unquote, non-lethal goods, a term with no legal definition and that arms monitoring experts say can refer to components of deadly weapons. During the first two months of Israel's war on Gaza, Global Affairs Canada issued permits worth a total of $18.4 million, and that covered military items categorized as, quote, electronic equipment, unquote. A further $9.2 million worth of permits included aircraft, lighter-than-air vehicles, unmanned aerial vehicles, aero engines and aircraft equipment, related equipment, and components. And previously reported by the Maple, Canada's export categories provide only broad strokes about the kinds of goods being exported. They offer little information about the exact nature of the products. Precise information, including the names of the manufacturers, about the goods newly authorized for export to Israel, were all redacted by the ministry. And you know what, folks, that's not acceptable. We have a right to know where and what and why our money is being used to purchase weapons that are currently bombing civilians. We have a right to know that. And the fact that this has been redacted is garbage. However, the dates on which some of the permits were issued indicate that Global Affairs continued to authorize new military exports as recently as December 6th, a time when the UN exports have warned there was a, quote, grave risk of genocide, unquote, being committed by Israel. December 6th, of course, is the national day for mourning victims of gender-based violence. Mm. Michael Buchert, Vice President for Canadians for Justice and Peace in the Middle East, is referenced in the story as quoted as saying this, quote, It's almost as if Canada is accelerating its arms export authorizations process amid a genocidal campaign. It's alarming that some of the high-ticket items are things like components or goods related to bombs and explosives, unquote. Turning now to some demographic news. As families are shrinking, cousins are dwindling. That's according to a global study published recently in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences USA. Reporter Natalie Stekison from CBC News explains that this trend can be seen in Canada. National data obtained by CBC News from the researchers of the study project that the average Canadian 15-year-old will have just 3.6 living cousins in the year 2095, compared to 15.3 in 1950, a 76% decrease in cousins. Stesheson points out that research has shown that extended family plays an important role in individuals' lives in many cultures around the world. Margot Hildebrecht, executive director of the Vanier Institute of the Family, a national independent research institute dedicated to understanding families and family life in Canada, says this. She explains that cousins take up an interesting space in many family dynamics, not quite siblings and not quite friends. Quote, it's one of the first places that we might encounter people of our own generation who hold different values or have a different way of doing things. And you wouldn't necessarily choose to be friends with all of them, unquote, except me. All of my cousins are great, folks. They're really great. I don't know if anyone listens to the podcast, but 
My cousins are great. The story goes on to say that extended family ties can be especially important for disadvantaged minority families. Research shows that black single mothers often rely on their extended kin for various types of supports, while gender and sexual minority adults face much higher levels of parental rejection. One thing the story doesn't look at is why the trend is happening. It's getting more and more expensive to have children, of course. Obviously, in Western countries like Canada, it's very difficult to afford to raise a family, especially to have multiple kids, unless both parents are working more than full-time sometimes. And when both parents are working so much, having multiple kids is not only difficult, but sometimes a thought that is worse than the seven fires of hell. So the solution is many either do not have kids altogether or just have fewer kids something that I think we all see in our lives, in our friends' lives, our family lives. And it's sad because, as you know, I've got 18 cousins on one side and it's great. And finally, to Gaza, where Israel spent last night pounding the southern city of Rafah. While North America was watching the Super Bowl, including two ads that promoted Israel's narrative and defenses for why they're engaging in ethnic cleansing, Israel was bombing and killing people. Reports that say somewhere between 50 and more than 100 people were killed came out last night in a period of intense bombing by air and sea. Israel announced just after the Super Bowl halftime show that it had captured two hostages who had been held by Hamas in Rafah. One was 60 years old and the other was 70 years old and both were captured from kibbutz near Yitak. The IDF say that the men were in quote-unquote good health, which is more than can be said for many others in Rafah this morning. The Waffen News Agency is reporting that the Al-Rama Mosque in Al-Shabura and Al-Huda Mosque in Yebna camp were both targeted by Israeli bombs. They also bombed near the headquarters of the Palestinian Red Crescent in central Gaza. Israel declared at 2.25 GMT, or 9.25 Eastern Time last night, that they were finished with their airstrikes. Who knows how many of those bombs that have killed and hurt so many people were paid for by us in Canada. We can't know because of redacted documents and, frankly, corrupt and lying and warmongering politicians. Those are your headlines for Monday, February 12th. I'm Nora. I hope you're staring down a good week. You are listening to this podcast at sandynora.com on the Real News Network podcast feed and anywhere you get your podcasts. Production assistance for this episode this morning, thanks to Mary Newman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.